The London series, like this season, had its ups and downs. Today, we're going to talk about Adam Wainwright's issues, the greatness of Jordan Walker, and as crazy as it sounds, how getting back into this division race actually seems doable. This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Hafford, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. Want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, on YouTube. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment. That way you're interact- interacting with us. Uh, hit the notification button. Very important. So you know when the new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. All right. So let's talk about what just happened in the London series, shall we? Let's get into this. The Cardinals end up splitting that series in London against the Cubs after getting hammered <laughs> in game one, which was it was an embarrassing loss. I, like I felt bad for the team to, to just get used like that and abused uh, on an international stage. Just a huge flop. My gosh, what a disaster that was. The uh, the offense gets dominated by Cubs starter Justin Steele and Adam Wainwright gets just pummeled. He gets pummeled by the Cubs. Six runs on 11 hits and what was really two innings because he breezed through that first inning before they ended up lighting him up over the next two frames. So in two innings, he gave up six runs on 11 hits, just a, a horrible outing. And I, I want to focus on Adam Wainwright a, a little bit today because you just hate to see what's happening with Adam right now, you know? Um, been an absolute joy to watch over the years, you know? Been a fantastic member of this Cardinals franchise, one of the best pitchers they've had ever in the history of this very, very important franchise in Major League Baseball history. But since last September, he's just been he's been getting crushed. He's been getting crushed by opponents. And it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch considering how good and how important he's been to this team over the years. And if you haven't heard, you know, maybe you're not someone who is actually on social media all that often. You're not on Twitter, but Adam has deactivated his Twitter account, which we assume is due to disparaging remarks and people just basically being a jerk to him, cyberbullying, the trolls that are all over the place on social media who hide behind their computer and behind their keyboard and say terrible things to people because they would never have the guts to do such things in front of somebody's face. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, um, but if that is indeed the case, I mean, what a sad state of affairs that is. And if it's Cardinals fans doing what's going on here, then those fans should be ashamed of themselves because I know the people that listen and respond to this show and to this podcast, even when the chips are down, which they have been for most of the season, I have not seen really any of them getting vulgar or hateful in any way. 
but not everyone is is as mature and respectful as the audience that I have here at Locked On Cardinals. And I, I applaud those of you who who keep it civil and can express your disappointment with the team and with the players and the coaching staff without without name calling or you know being demeaning to other people who leave comments because you've got people who are are going to stay positive no matter what, and that's great. But then there's other people who get really down on the team. And then, um, you know, they get, they, I mean, like really down on the team where they're like, I hate this person or this and that. You don't see a lot of it, but it's out there. And those of you who have been, and I'm not saying it's you in this audience, but the people out there that have been cruel to Adam Wainwright uh, on social media like, the, 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 there's no need for that. You know, Adam knows he hasn't been good. He admits it. He has to talk to reporters after every game, good or bad. And he's always been a stand-up guy. He doesn't need me or you or anyone to tag him on social media with rude comments about him or his family. So, so if that's what's going on, then good for him for just, you know, shutting it down, turning the other cheek. But what an embarrassing way to treat a Cardinal legend. In his final year, he came back for one more year, wanted to get to 200 wins, still loved the game, didn't like the way things ended last year, probably, and was like, you know what? I want to give it one more go. And for this to be happening to him, I mean, shame on those who are responsible for such behavior because it's it's ridiculous. But let's get back to Wayno's performance on the field. Um, since last September, not been good, right? And it's so weird how quickly things went south for him. You know, I've pointed it out on a number of occasions, especially in the offseason, when we were talking about, you know, what was going to happen this year, how the rotation looked this year. And we were talking about how almost all of last year until September, Adam Wainwright was pretty darn good. He was pretty darn good. He was one of the top pitchers in the National League, had a great ERA. And then for whatever reason, things just nosedive in September. And you look around the league and you get and you see guys like uh Rich Hill and and Kyle Hendricks, just some names off the top of my head, guys who don't throw all that hard, don't have very much velocity, but are able to find success. So the fact that Adam doesn't throw 95 miles per hour anymore doesn't mean he can't be an effective pitcher in the major leagues. Lack of velocity isn't the be-all end-all to a pitcher's career, but it has not worked out so well for Adam Wainwright since the end of last year and coming into the season, you would hope that things had gotten figured out um, and that he'd be ready to roll and would have a successful final year of his career. But you had the injury with team USA at the world baseball uh, WBC, the world baseball classic. Um, and it's been a struggle ever since he's three and two on the year. His ERA is at 6.56. And I saw an article on uh, VivaAlbertos.com, which is a, a really good website. If you guys don't ever go there to read their articles and stuff, they do great work uh, talking about what's going on with Wayno this year. They pointed out a couple of different things. Uh, lack of extension is something that they talked about. Uh, lack of extension uh, that he's getting on his delivery as being one of the problems. At the end of last season, if you remember, Adam, he penned that letter. Remember this? talking to the fans about, you know, how he is apologizing for his failures in September and that uh, it was mechanical issues that he figured out, something to do with his stride, I believe. Uh, but it wasn't the dead arm 
that kept getting brought up that he wasn't really dealing with dead arm. That wasn't the issue, that it was something else and that he would fix it, figured it out now that he's pinpointed the issue and we'll get it all taken care of. And clearly that, that it hasn't happened because we're seeing the same ugly results. And they also pointed out that the spin on his curveball is down, which is making it much more hittable. Specifically, they point out the horizontal movement that has dipped a little bit, not, not getting as much dip on it. Um, and then the final thing, which, you know, has been obvious to all of us is just that he's got this lack of accuracy and control going on right now. He's missing his spots. And when you can't gas it past hitters, missing your spots is catastrophic, right? They, they point out the lack of first pitch strikes. His percentage is at 52.3%. League average is 60.8. So he's falling behind hitters, which is then allowing them to just kind of wait on him to come into the zone because he's got to eventually. And when he throws it over the plate, they just hammer it. And if you don't have dominating stuff that you can, you know, blow by hitters and you're throwing stuff up there that's more hittable, when you make that window that they have to look at even smaller, makes life tough for a pitcher. Now, I hope he can turn it around. I, I would love to see him to get to 200 wins. I think he's going to do that. Still have a whole other half of the season for him to get two wins. I think he's going to pull that off. The team is four and five in his starts. I know it seems like every time he's out there, they're, they're not winning and that, uh, that, that they're losing every time. That's not really the case. They're, they're four and five in games that he started. And before Saturday's rough game, he hadn't been that bad, really, over the last few games that he started. Gave up, uh, what, three earned runs in each of his last four starts? So it's not like he's getting blasted every single game. Like, he gives up a lot of hits because he's a hittable pitcher. He's a pitch-to-contact type of dude, like everybody in this rotation, really. Um, but he's your fourth or fifth starter. You know, you weren't expecting him to be the ace that he once was. That, that wasn't his job this year. His job was to give you a chance to win as one of your four or fives. And Saturday just happened to be one of those really, really ugly starts for him. He's had a few of them this year, but they're not always that bad. And it's not like the offense showed up anyways, right? You know, Saturday, there's nothing. And in a Wainwright start, the offense has to be good. You know, if his best days are giving up three earned runs over five innings, you got to hit. You just have to hit or you're not going to win those game. And uh, you know, the Cardinals were getting no hit until the fifth inning. And that's when Jordan Walker singled to extend his hitting streak. But overall, the offense got dominated by the Cubs pitching staff. So I feel bad for what's going on with Wayne. I hate that he had to shut down the Twitter account. I, I think that sucks. And uh, I'm not at all pleased with the way he's being treated online by people. But he's a big boy, and he understands that he's got to improve if he wants to be a productive member of this team. And I'm sure he's going to continue to try to get the things figured out because that's who he is. He doesn't want to go out in his last year and just have an atrocious season. Then hopefully he, he does get better because the team needs him to be better than what he was on Saturday. A uh, good thing for the team in general was the fact that they had another game on Sunday to regroup. And Jordan Walker was in the middle of all of it again, joining some elite company uh, with what he did on, on, on Sunday. So I'm going to tell you all about that next here on Locked on Cardinals. 
For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, do the smart thing and head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right, and it'll fit right the first time. You don't have to keep sending things back and forth and back and forth until you figure out what part you need and which one's going to fit. They they figure it out right away. You add your ride to the My Garage section. You look for the green check to know the part will fit, or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm not a huge car guy. I trust eBay Motors. You should too. eBayMotors.com. Once again, great spot to go to. Figure out what parts you need. Make sure that it fits right the first time around. The Cardinals are back home beginning on Tuesday to face the defending world champion Astros. And you can catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM map. Just search Cardinals. Uh, thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. And, um, you know, things were not good on Saturday for the for the Cardinals in London. In London, And, um, you know, you get waxed and you got to move on to Sunday. And uh, that's something that baseball players are able to do for the most part is uh, when you have one bad day, you're able to turn the page, move on to the next one. But things didn't start out so good on Sunday either. The team falls behind four to nothing thanks to some very shoddy defense and three straight two out hits against Matthew Libertor. And it, it looks like they're going to get embarrassed again. And I remember watching this. I'm up early for the game. You know, it started at nine o'clock St. Louis time. And I'm I'm like, I cannot believe I woke up early to, to see this. What we saw in that first thing. I'm like, this is this is crazy. This is crazy. It's not going to happen again, is it? They look like they're about to get embarrassed. But Nine innings to the ball game. We always have to remember that, that there is a chance, even though the Cardinals haven't always shown the will to fight back and get it back into games. When it happens to you in the first inning, at least you got plenty of time to get back into it. And they were able to fight back and chip away against a guy who's been one of the top pitchers in the National League in Marcus Stroman. They rallied for three in the second, which starts with back-to-back singles by Contreras and Gorman. When the lineup came out and I saw that Ali had put Contreras and Gorman next to each other in the lineup, I was like, oh boy. Oh, boy, (laughs) that could be a real ugly spot in the order uh, on Sunday because both of them had been struggling for the last month as far as hitting-wise. So I was like, oh, I hope that doesn't come back to bite him. But ended up working out. It really did. Uh, You know, you get the singles by Contreras and Gorman. Walker then walks, and with two outs, the Cardinals get some help from uh, a Cubs defensive miscue. And the team capitalizes on it, which is what you have to do if you're going to be a good team. You got to capitalize on the mistakes by the other guys. And that's what the Cubs did to the Cardinals in the first inning. Cardinals turned it around on them in the second inning. And then you get the two-out, two-run hit by Britton Donovan. And boom, they're right back into it. It's 4-3. They get an RBI single from Walker in the third to tie it up, which extended his hit streak to 15. Two more in the fourth and another one in the fifth when uh, the Contreras-Gorman combo comes up gig again. They strike with Willie getting a double, and then Gorman drives him in. Bullpen, fantastic job. Fantastic job, right? Shuts it down after Libertor exited. In fact, the Cubs had only two hits off the combined uh, relief core of Jake Woodford, Henesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, and Andre Palante. They end up getting a runoff Hicks in the ninth inning, but he gets through it, and they end up getting the W in this one. Great to see Contreras and Gorman 
being productive, producing again. It's been a tough go. Contreras had a monster day on Sunday. He goes four for four. His first four-hit game as a Cardinal. Has his average back up to 216. Since his average dropped below 200 back on June 13th, he's now hitting 357. And Gorman, he goes two for three. His first two-hit day since June 2nd. Two huge cogs in this offense who are hopefully breaking out of their funks because they need these guys. They need everybody if they're going to get back into this thing. And Jordan Walker, what, what is there left to say about Jordan Walker right now? The kid continues to impress at the plate. His 15-game hitting streak is the longest current streak in the major leagues. It ties Nolan Gorman for the longest hit streak for a Cardinals player this season. The only Cardinal age 21 or younger with a longer hit streak than Walker's 15 games, Albert Pujols. 17-game hitting streak back in 2001. It's pretty good. And since being recalled, Jordan Walker is hitting 333, four home runs, nine RBIs, eight runs scored in 75 plate appearances. On the season, he's batting 302, six dingers, 20 RBIs, an OPS plus of 129. The, the kid is getting it done. And John Denton pointed this out, that Walker now has hits in 33 of the 38 games that he started this season. And if the Cardinals were winning, if the Cardinals were a winning team right now, Jordan Walker would be getting a whole lot more attention than he is right now. That's the unfortunate part is all of the good things that he's doing right now. It's kind of under the radar because the Cardinals aren't winning enough games. Even with his production, you know, they've got a losing record when uh, Walker's been in the lineup. So not because of him, but I'm just saying, if they were doing things like, you know, all the attention that's going on the Reds right now, who just won a bunch of games, and Ellie De La Cruz, like, people would be talking about Jordan Walker and how great he's doing if the Cardinals were winning. So it's unfortunate that uh, they've struggled this year. But uh, Jordan Walker, doing outstanding. Uh, as it stands on this Monday, June 26th, the Cardinals are at 32-45. and 45. They're eight and a half back in the NL Central, 11 back in the wild card. They've got the third worst record in the National League and the fifth worst record in all of baseball, yet they still aren't out of this as wild as that sounds. The season is not over yet, and it's because the NL Central is the NL Central. So the Reds, who just ripped off 12 wins in a row, by the way, they lost two of three over the weekend against Atlanta. All three games, though, one-run games. What a crazy, wild series that was if you didn't get to uh, see any of that where the Braves would would jump out to a lead and they just could not put the Reds away. They just couldn't do it. The Reds just kept coming back. Uh, they end up stealing game one and then were able to survive. Uh, the Braves end up surviving against the Reds in the next two games. But the Reds look legit. And the real question about them in the division is, will their starting pitching hold up? That That's clearly the problem. Their offense, monsters, especially playing in Great American Small Park. But can they sustain this type of winning when your starting pitchers are who they have right now? I mean, their top arms coming into the year, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, both of them are out for extended periods. So there's talk that Hunter Green may not be back till August. Lodolo's been out for a long time. Ben Lively, who's been a huge surprise for them, he's out with an injury. Graham Ashcraft, who was supposed to be one of their big arms coming into the season, has been ineffective. He just came back from the injured list, and he got pounded by the Braves. So he hasn't been very good. And they've got former Cardinals first-round pick Luke Weaver in their rotation, and he gets hammered every single time. The only game that he really pitched any good against was when he faced the Cardinals in Cincinnati. Other than that, he's not been very good at all. 
So they've got issues in the starting rotation. And if they're not out slugging their opponent, they're not going to win many more games. So that's something that they have to worry about, which leaves a bit of a window open for the Cardinals. Uh, the Brewers are a half game behind the Reds right now, but still don't have Brandon Woodruff, who's been out since April with a shoulder strain, threw a bullpen on Saturday from what I've read. And um, I don't know when exactly he's coming back. They didn't think he would be back until at least the All-Star break. So it sounds like he's on track to do that. But Corbin Burns has not been Cy Young Award winning style Corbin Burns this year. I mean, he's five and five. His ERA is over four. Freddie Peralta, five and seven. ERA close to five this year. So there's nothing really scary going on with the Brewers where you're like, wow, how, there's no way they're, they're going to catch them. The Cubs are hanging around thanks to their strong starting pitching. And they got Kyle Hendricks back. So the Cubs are more uh, on an upswing. The Pirates are disintegrating right before our very eyes since going 20 and nine to start the year when they were like a huge story in Major League Baseball. People are like, oh my gosh, look at the Pirates go. Eight and 18 in May and then seven and 15 so far in June. Like they are just boom, collapsing. They're 15 and 33 over the last two months. And then you have the Cardinals who people just keep waiting to see them finally erupt and storm back into this thing. They've got the names to do it. They just haven't proven that they can do anything on a consistent level yet. You know, we've talked about this over and over. Um, one day, good starting pitching and no offense. Another day, good offense, decent starting pitching, bad bullpen. On a day where the rotation might be good, offense is mad, but they're getting it done, defense collapses. You know, there's always something that they just can't get it all going at the same time. That's been their problem. No consistency. Will they ever figure it out? I, I don't know. I don't have that answer for you. And they've got a, a tough next couple of series coming up against uh, Houston, the Yankees, and the Marlins. You know, winning teams. So it's got to be tough over the next uh, few games. So it remains to be seen if they'll be able to, to get back into this thing or not. Uh, I want to check in on some fan reactions to – what we talked about on Friday with the uh, I threw out the idea of trading Paul Goldschmidt to see what people would say about that. You know, if you had to make a drastic move, if you made the NL MVP available, what would happen? And I got some interesting feedback, good and bad. So we're going to talk about that next on Locked on Cardinals. The Cardinals are back home against the Astros beginning tomorrow and you can catch every pitch of the Cardinals, excuse me, hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Uh, my everydayers know that you, the listener, are a very big piece of this show. Your feedback, whether it's positive or negative, always welcome here. I, I love to hear both sides of the coin. I love to hear what everybody has to say about some things. And uh, got some reactions, uh, to say the least, about Friday's episode about whether or not the Cardinals should consider trading Paul Goldschmidt. Now, as I said during that show, in case you didn't watch it yet, you should go back and check it out. But I'm not saying I want to trade Paul Goldschmidt. Okay, some people were like, you're insane. Can you even imagine? And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to actively trade Paul Goldschmidt. In a perfect world, these guys figure things out and then we don't have to worry about it. And Paul and Nolan and... Contreras and all these guys, there are the key cogs that push this team into a successful second half of the season. But on the other side of it, if you were to decide that you are not going to make it this year, 
and whatever attempt that you try to put together before you get to the trade deadline, none of it succeeds. And you're still where you are. You're playing 500 ball. You're not getting any better. And you want to kind of reset this team. Who, what, what guy on the roster besides Arenado, who you're not going to trade? Because that's in, that's insane because he's right in the prime of his career. Goldie's a little bit older. If you were going to reset this organization, pretty big chip there that might get some pretty good things back for you. So that's why I threw it out there. And I saw some coverage from national writers talking about other teams actively pursuing Paul Goldschmidt. You know, teams like the Phillies who are like, you know what, maybe we ought to look into that. So um, here's some of the reactions I got. Your name here too says, Cardinal fan my whole life, trade Goldie or Tommy Edmond, and I will never buy another ticket as long as I live. Can't make it any plainer than that. Your move, Mo. Ron for Freedom says, absolutely. Anything for pitching prospects and draft picks. Notto, Flaherty, O'Neal, DeYoung should all be shopped around as well. Again, Nolan Arnato is not going anywhere. Flaherty, O'Neal, DeYoung? Eh, I can see them all being moved. I don't know who would take Tyler O'Neill because he can't stay on the field and play baseball. But James Mertz 9033 says trading Goldie sucks, but it's almost necessary. But it should be something like a Luis Castillo or Juan Soto deal. Everyone complaining about losing Goldie and all we have for returning pitching next year is Michaelis and Libertor. So then we either have to spend on an ace and two pitchers, which I don't see happening without being cheap. Or we rely on Graceffel and McGreevy to make drastic steps to the rotation next year. If someone told me that I could get Andrew Painter, who, by the way, top pitching prospect for the Phillies, another top pitching prospect, and one or two more players for Goldie, how would you turn that down? James, that's part of the reason why I asked this question. And it's what I keep saying. If someone is going to offer you a king's ransom, for Paul Goldschmidt at age 36, going to be 37 before he hits free agency, you kind of have to listen, and you got to kind of consider it, don't you? Again, his stock's probably never going to be higher. Is he going to be the NL MVP again? Probably not. Not an easy thing to do. So it's something you got to think about, you know? Isaac Stover, 5832, says, Absolutely not. Dude should retire a Cardinal. He can be a DH well after his first base skills decline. He's not greedy. He won't be hard to come to terms with on a new contract. Not even an option. This is all on Mo and his inability to put together a talented pitching staff. Get rid of Mo and Ollie. As a matter of fact, fire 90% of the coaching staff. There are some people who agree with you <laughs> that they should be getting rid of all these people. The problem is Mo has an extension. He's not going anywhere. Ollie's probably not going anywhere. I've been telling you that for weeks. Coaching staff, they're not going to have any turnover in that area until the end of the season. So I don't know what's going to happen after, after the year is up. Kind of depends on how the rest of the season goes. If they get back into things, they don't fire anybody. But if uh, it continues to go down the way it has, Maybe you see some turnover. I keep wondering if, because you go and you look at the coaching staff and you see a lot of younger dudes, and then you see Willie McGee sitting there. Will Willie McGee be back next year? I know we all love him, and we love to take pictures of him at the games to see him still rocking the Cardinals uniform, but I wonder if Willie McGee comes back next year. I'm not sure. 
Um, but I think we can all agree that John Mozeliak has done a pretty poor job in building this team. And I say that because without the crazy, and I've brought this up many times, but without the crazy second half of our pool holes last year, does this team, or should I say the la- last year's team, do they even make the playoffs? Do they win the division and make the playoffs last year? If Albert Pujols doesn't become one or two top hitters in all of baseball, him and Aaron Judge were the top two hitters at the end of the, in the second half last year. If he doesn't do that, do the Cardinals even sniff the playoffs last year? If the answer is no, then why didn't you go out and get more people to improve this team? That That's my question about Mosellock. You did the bare minimum, which was go get a catcher because you had to. <laughs> you didn't have a choice. Yadier Molina was gone. So he had to go get a catcher. He had money to spend. And he had to make a decision whether to pay Contreras or to make a trade and get Sean Murphy. He decided to go with the money. And Contreras hasn't worked out as well as everybody thought he would. Sean Murphy having a great year with the Atlanta Braves. Would he have done the same in a Cardinals uniform? I don't know. I have no idea. But we knew Sean Murphy was very, very good. And we knew one thing that he was really, really good at was calling games, being that defensive catcher. He's just been a better offensive player this year than I think some people thought he was going to be. But to... To only do that, <laughs> to only do that to this team, you lose Yachty and Pujols and replace both of them with Wilson Contreras. You needed to add something else. You just had to. More specifically, you needed to add something to that starting rotation, and you didn't do it. Big mistake by Mo. Now, a reminder, when we talk about trading Paul Goldschmidt, he's got a no-trade clause. So I do want to remind everybody about that. So the odds that he gets dealt – very, very slim. It's probably not going to happen. But I just wanted to see what people's reactions would be to something that is a very drastic and, as I called it, a bold move if they were to do it. And I'm glad we got the feedback that we got. Uh, a little more even than I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to get a lot more people who said, you're an idiot. How dare you say such things about trading Paul Goldsmith?" when a lot of people were actually on board and like, you make a lot of sense. <laughs> it could be something that that might work out for the team, but again, I don't, I don't foresee that happening. I really don't, but you know, interesting, interesting to talk about, right? So well done, everyone. Good job. All right. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Be sure to catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast for the upcoming games against the Astros with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Uh, the Reds just swept Houston in Houston. So the Astros are not unbeatable. They don't have uh, Jordan Alvarez, their best hitter in the lineup right now. He's hurt. So Cardinals are going to have to show that they, they can beat a good team. Can they do it? We'll talk more about the series tomorrow. If you haven't already, please give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. Like and subscribe on YouTube. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason. And I'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals.